the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time is 6 o'clock on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Um, all the lines are open. <clears throat> if you want to give me a call, one 367 1-888-367-5329. Thank you, Maybelline, for that call. Glad you were able to join us. And you as well, Egress. We've got a whole hour to continue talking and engaging and working through our issues and trying to press forward in the year 2021 by the grace of God. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Let's go to line number two and talk with Mark in San Jose. Mark, are you there? <clears throat> yes, sir. I am. I'd hey, like what's to going talk on? About two, well, uh, one thing I'd like to talk about this book. I'm bringing a present up to you uh, Sunday. And this is worth a million dollars for you. It is free. And it is golden, okay? Uh, it's, it's called the, uh, the latter part of Daniel's vision and prophecy, respecting which commentators have greatly deferred or differed from each other, showing its fulfillment in events recorded in authentic history, 1838, uh, by uh, James Farquharson. And, oh, okay, uh, hold on, hold on. Hold on. So you got the book. I got it for you, special. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll pay you for the book. <laughs> All righty. Uh, okay. Wow, this book is golden. I'm telling you. It well, really well, is. yeah, I've, I've read excerpts of him a while back. He will actually fit within my paradigm, as you know. I'm working through the Book of Revelation, and a good portion of that is Danielic, uh, Ezekian, and Zechariah, without a doubt. And, uh, and, and and we have a dearth of theologians historically who have done a dearth, meaning not many, who have done, uh, uh, you know, a yeoman's job on the book of Daniel, particularly chapter nine. Uh, most of the theologians in our, our recent history have been rather ambiguous or have collapsed into the, the later um, misrepresentation of that whole prophecy around around eschatology. So I'm looking forward to Parkinson's uh, um, observations. So yeah, um, I look forward to that. Yeah, and what's strange is Philip Morrow said when he put his book to print, he hadn't even read this guy, never heard about him, because it was way, way back there, 1830-something. And uh, sure. he put his book, The 70 Weeks of Daniel and the Great Tribulation, to print, when uh, he felt it was the providence of God, somehow he ran uh, up against this book, which had the exact same conclusions that he had come to in regards to Daniel 11 and 12, that it was actual history, taking you all the way from Persia to Herod the Great. Yeah. So, well, we, that's what makes we're, it so we're, fascinating. Right. No, and, and that history, well, there's a lot of battles that have been going on in terms of uh, obfuscation, uh, destroying evidence, uh, controlling evidence from the first century up to the present time. 
in terms of dealing with Daniel 9 all the way through Daniel 11 and, and then parts of Daniel 12. But certainly Daniel 10 and 11 are to be understood historically uh, and then have what we would call a prophetic application to our time. So they're paradigmatic. And, and you you know that's the way I'm teaching the book of Revelation. The, the heart of the revelation is an AD 70 apocalyptic trans trans translation from the old to the new. What I mean by translation or transformation, if you will, from the old to the new. And where we don't do the legitimate labor of understanding the historical development and fulfillment of what occurred in the AD 70 event, we are not doing the people of God justice pushing everything into the future uh, like our our futurist dispensationalist brethren have a tendency to do. So I'm looking forward to that book. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and then on another line, uh, in regards to this whole corona thing, could I talk about that? Uh, yeah, just tell me what you think. We'll put it out there. Okay, well, we know the Lord says to love your neighbor as yourself. And even if you're not, you know, converting somebody to the Lord, and you're just actually caring about them as your neighbor, you know, right, you're still right. to some degree, you know, loving your neighbor as yourself, even though you're not preaching to them. And, uh, but there's a, this gal, uh, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, is quite... Uh, Studious. I mean, she stays up late uh, every night reading medical journals, and uh, she says her friends call her a nerd because that's that's basically all she does. And uh, but in regards to being a medical doctor, she's probably the foremost authority that there is um, on vaccines. And she lays out her arguments. If you just type in Infowars Tenpenny, it'll come up. Because she was interviewed there a couple weeks ago. Uh, she lays out her arguments as to why you know, we should definitely should not uh, take this vaccine and uh, the reason why it's harmful and exactly what's in it. And uh, I have to hear her a couple times to really let it absorb. But, well, uh, if the Dr. Tim Penny is a precious sister. She's a Christian, first of all, okay? Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. yeah, no. So, so let me help you with that a little bit because I've already done research on her for the last six or seven months. She's a Christian oh. and her background uh, is stellar in terms of her, her birth, her upbringing. Both of her parents are in the medical field uh, and she grew up in a time where her dad made sure she took no vaccines. Um, so she, she has put her money where her mouth is and her material has been summarily dissed and disrespected and censored by all of your major media outlets, which was part of my opening, which was part of my opening commentary on whistleblowers. I'll have to talk about that in another segment. They are heroes. Whistleblowers are heroes um, because they have everything yeah. to lose, everything to lose and very little to gain. Now, let me get back to Tim Penny. Um, Tim Penny's uh, theories and observations are very, very good, without a doubt, and her warnings are worth listening to, and yet still what we have to do after listening to her observations and her warnings about the fundamental potential of this mRNA vaccine and the uh, implications of its danger and harm to our immune system, 
is is critically important because she's not the only one making these observations. When a person does diligent labor yeah. and diligent research, you come to discover that there is a significant number of virologists, epidemiologists, as well as doctors who are uh, sharing some of the same absolute tenets that she she does. And she does an excellent job of explaining these things. And you can find her without even going to uh, Infowars.com. In fact, I would avert, avert people away from Alex Jones personally because he's just got too much baggage for people who aren't don't know how to pick the bones, as Eldris Egris uh, uh, had said it earlier in our in our study. You can go to just Dr. Tim Penny herself. She has her own website. It's called Vaxters. V a x x t e r. And she has been on almost 200 different programs, iPod, uh, podcasts, uh, uh, invitations. She's done shows over the last year and a half to two years on these matters. And she's been addressing these matters for a long time. But you won't hear any of this on your major media outlets because it goes contrary to the narrative. And and yeah. unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, that's another big subject that I'm going to have to just let uh, let the beast emerge up out of the pit more fully before people can see him for what he is. And then they will begin to understand why some of us have said, be careful, be careful about the vaccines. You are right, Mark. <clears throat> you love people when you are concerned for what they are thinking or what they are doing. If you can share with them to be careful and to make sure that they prove all things before they just take the plunge or as the euphemistic phraseology is, take the jab. And that's what's uh, right. that is what we have to pray for uh, these days. Mark, we have to pray for people who do take the jab because once they've taken it, they've taken it. We can't do anything about it. And we got to pray that we maintain a free, open society because the jab is coming with digital immunity passports that are going to change the whole game in a minute concerning freedom as per Joe Biden and as per the CDC and as per its application in New York, as well as in Israel, as well as in Europe, in the UK. It's already happening and we're going to be finding ourselves talking about how people are going to be segregated along the lines of if you've taken the vaccine, then you're clean and you're holy. If you haven't, then you're unclean and you're contaminated. And that's going to be a big problem in the next three, four, five months coming down the line. But we will tackle that when it comes. Yeah. And two weeks ago, I was in Redwood City there um, by uh, fire station number 20, just yeah. taking a walk and talking with this I talked with this Indian lady and she uh travels around the world and I'm I presume she lives there in Redwood City and she told me that her personal doctor who's the head administrator of the hospital told her that they're pressuring them to call everything covid all flus now are labeled covid they get the money and that was first hand knowledge you know from her to me from the doctor to her well, so, I, I have a lot of that. Low. I have a lot of I have a lot of that in my repertoire. One of the, one of the things I've been doing over the last six months is talking to nurses and uh, first responders and people in the medical field to see what they're getting. And uh, again, the uh, reality is is that. A lot of the doctors are being pressured to do that. And then you hear these people talking about, well, we didn't have any flu this year. Well, we didn't have any flu yeah. because the, t the title was changed to COVID. And this is true. And right. most of us 
Most of the people know this. This is why we don't have to get excited or upset because almost everybody knows that this is the way the narrative has been being shaped by our media. Almost everybody knows this is what I know. I know that people already know a lot of this stuff. They don't want to hear it. And therefore, the only thing we can do is wait for more evidence to show up that there is a larger agenda behind all this than just vaccines trying to solve the COVID problem. And this is what I want to encourage you to do, too. Just uh, when people show that they are not interested, then don't try to press the issue. Uh, If they do, then try to guide them to good sources where they can be informed. Because the thing that we want people to do is we're not telling them what to do or what not to do. We're telling them to be informed and that's the best we can do. Yeah. And, and, you know, study it yourself because this lady, uh, she got really mad at me like a week ago because she said, I, you know, she was just as adamant as I am to not get vaccinated, to get vaccinated. Right. So she thought exactly. I was harming people by convincing them not to get vaccinated. And I believe that's the scenario they're going to play. Once these people start dying off from the vaccine. Itself, well, let's hope that that doesn't happen. Let's yeah. hope that that doesn't happen. That's my prayer. Well, let me share with you this and then I got to let you go. Uh, let's hope that that doesn't happen because... If we get another so-called wave, and they're saying it already that it's coming, they're not going to even remotely attribute this to any of the vaccines. And it will be easily provable because there will be many people who will get sick who will have already taken the vaccine. But they will not contribute it to the vaccine And that's going to be the problem. They're actually going to contribute it to the people who haven't taken the vaccine. There will be no science behind it. There will be no science behind their attribution. There will only be the authority of the CDC and Fauci and our government utilizing that as a means of coercing people into quarantine and punishing people who did not take it. This is the next level of the application of Revelation 13, 16 through 18. And he causes all small and great to receive the number in their hand or their forehead and that they cannot buy or sell except they actually receive that mark. And that is an application. It's not the interpretation. Interpretation is first century, but application is if you and I don't submit to the process, we won't be able to have the freedom to live and function and do as uh, as we have the right to do as free American citizens. This is going to become the scary part, but unfortunately, the necessary part for people to begin to do what we should do. And that is to prove all things and to hold fast to that, which is good. What I want to not happen, and I'm gonna just sharing it now with everybody, then I got to take a break. I am hoping that the concerns that many <clears throat> professionals have about the nature of this mRNA vaccine does not pan out in the same way it did with the animals that were uh, that right. were uh, killed by these things when they were put out in the wild. I hope that they are wrong because I've got loved ones who are taking the vaccine and I don't want anything happening to them. So I hope I hope that they are wrong. Listen, I got to take a hard break. We'll take ne- talk next time. Melody, we'll get you after the break. The number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. There are many of them. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. 
And we are back. The time is 6.19 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Three lines open, one 329 Let's go to line number one and talk with Melody in Newman City. Melody, are you there? Yes, I am. Good evening, Pastor. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm good. good. You over there whispering? You whispering? Or what's, what's going on with you, girl? Is the CIA listening to you? The FBI? The, anybody? The, the oh, NSA? No, I, to you? I put you on the speakerphone so I could um, hear you and still look at the scripture I wanted to ask a question about. Okay. Tell, shoot. Tell me what you got. Okay. So um, Matthew's 27, verse 52. Mm-hmm. And it's, the tombs were also open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Mm-hmm. So I always had this question in my mind is, where did those bodies go after they were raised? Right. They would have went to glory. So they would have been first fruits with Christ. This is First Corinthians chapter 15. First uh, Corinthians 15, verse 22, Christ, the first fruits and all they after him in the resurrection. In other words, when Christ rose again from the dead bodily on the first day of the week, as we know, he rose in that text. Matthew tells us the earthquake and many bodies of the saints also came out of the ground at that time and them coming out of the ground, they would have been first fruits along with Jesus in his resurrection. They would have been uh, they would have had an opportunity to go through literal Jerusalem and be a witness to the people about that were that they that Jesus indeed had risen from the dead, justified us by his 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 uh, his he he died for our sins Romans four twenty five and he rose again for our justification and as we stated yesterday I'm going to make a tie here into the second Peter text uh, him going to the spirits in prison uh, in the days of Noah I'm going to show you the tie here this is where baptism comes in but it starts with the cross <clears throat> so the death of Jesus Christ as we learned yesterday in Acts chapter. Two, verse 24, loosed the pains of death because he was the only righteous person that was able to satisfy the justice of God and put away our sins by his sacrifice on the cross, which means God loosed him from the pains and power of death. The power of death, Peter uh, Paul tells us, is the law of God. The strength of sin is the law. This is where when Christ died, he fulfilled the law in our behalf as our substitute and he put away its curse so that you and I no longer experience the sting of death or its power to damn us in the grave and to send us to hell. So the language of liberation is understood in the resurrection. So when Christ came out of the grave, that's why the text says they came out after his resurrection in Matthew 27. They came out physically. They they bore record for a small time in Jerusalem, and then they went on into glory with the Lord Jesus Christ. So there are some saints in glory, as is uh, Moses, as is Elijah, as is Enoch. They are in glory in their bodies, okay? Not everybody is in glory in their bodies. Not everybody is in glory in their bodies. Some of us are still awaiting the bodily resurrection, but there are first fruits to affirm the fact 
that Jesus' death would accomplish our redemption and would satisfy justice and liberate us unto the promise of the physical resurrection of our bodies. So to answer your question, they bore record in the physical Jerusalem down here that Jesus has risen from the dead. And then they went on to glory. Obviously, they would not have went back to the grave again because that would have been a sign of them still being under the curse. And they were no longer under the curse. They went straight to heaven. Okay, so... Their first fruits with Christ. So then in the scripture it says, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we who are alive and remain will be called up to meet him in the air. That's a that's different from those first fruits. No, it's, it's tied in this sense. You're quoting it's now tied. first Thessalonians. It's tied yeah. together. Tied together. Let me explain this. You're, you're quoting First Thessalonians chapter four now around verse 17, where Paul makes it clear the Lord shall uh, he shall he shall come with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and he shall shout and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Meaning, like I told you, they were the first fruits with Jesus, but not everybody in Jesus has a bodily resurrection. James, the apostle, died in chapter 12. They tried to kill Peter in chapter 13. Obviously, uh, chapter 12 as well. Obviously, uh, Stephen was the first martyr of the New Testament church. His body didn't rise. So a lot of the bodies of the saints are in the ground to experience the resurrection on the last day, the bodily resurrection, as John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29 declares he the uh in John 5 28 29 the hour is coming when all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and some shall come forth to the resurrection of the just that will be true believers and others to the resurrection of damnation that's on the last day that is what we call the bodily resurrection of all humanity both believer and unbeliever when Christ comes back finally to put in a seismic so when I say first fruits I'm talking about the first fruits of this New Testament era where God has the right because of the death of Christ to bring anybody he wants to up out of the grave because our right. sins are paid for. If he wanted to, and this is why I also told you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse uh, 22, where the mm-hmm. where Paul says, for as in Adam all die, but even in Christ shall all be made alive. And then verse 23, but every man in his own order, Christ the first okay. fruits, and afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. So there is an order of resurrection for all of us, bodily resurrection, of which the majority of us will be raised on that day when he comes back. But Christ has the right, because of his conquest at Calvary, to to, to raise anybody from the dead whenever he wants to, who died in Christ, if he wants to use him as a testimony, which he did at that point. So that was a, a very unusual and one-time event that occurred shortly after Christ's resurrection to affirm to the true believers that Jesus did indeed die and did did was buried and then was raised again from the dead. You can imagine the Jerusalem saints, the believers who were in Christ, who had died before Christ came or who had died during the time that he was doing ministry. Uh, and when he rose again on that day, 
in AD 33, you can imagine them rising from the dead, going to their loved ones and saying, yes, Messiah came. Yes, they crucified him. Yes, they buried him. Yes, he rose again from the dead. And we have risen also to bear witness to the doctrine of the resurrection that Christ indeed is conquering king and sovereign Lord. And you are to believe that. Therefore, you also have the confidence by faith that if you should die, one day you and I also will be raised again from the dead to be with Christ forever. That is a unique event underscoring the resurrection of all believers. It is a type of first fruits. That's what I meant by that. Okay. Now, does that help a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. But when I see you again, I'll probably ask you some more questions. <laughs> okay, now on that one there, this is what I just want to say for everybody in the audience. The reason why you don't hear it talked about much is because we don't have a real healthy understanding of the nature of the New Testament and what Christ accomplished when he died. But I've said this many, many times. The death of Christ was not incidental. He actually put an end to sin. He brought in everlasting righteousness. And our position with him is such that if he wanted to, everyone that's in Christ, anytime he wanted to, he could take them directly to glory. They would never have to see death. If he wanted to, he could raise any of the believers that have died between Calvary and now he could raise them from the dead because he purchased that for them. He has a Mm -hmm. purpose for us in this world to live and to die and to suffer with the rest of the world. But we're not obligated to be here because he's accomplished our eternal redemption. Therefore, it was uh, it was his perfect right to take a group of believers who had died in him before he died to raise them from the dead as a witness and foreshadow of the resurrection that is forthcoming. And that's what's so important about sound gospel preaching, because people, they don't get it. What Christ won for us at Calvary is enormous. Mm, that's for sure. All right. God bless you. God bless you. All right. We've, we've got three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. This is this is where I was going to talk about what happened in First Peter chapter uh, chapter uh, one chapter two where chapter three rather where the language is spoken about how that uh, Christ also having once suffered for sins the just for the unjust he's the just we are the unjust that he might bring us to God that's why he died that he might bring us to God we can't get to the father except through the son now when he died and when he was buried and when he rose again he won the title rights the crown rights to decree any and everyone who are in him the ability right now to leave the grave and go to heaven. There is nothing hindering, holding, keeping back any believer who has died in Christ from being united with their bodies and gathered into heaven, except for the fact that he wants to, on the last day, display the manifestation of his power in the raising of the bodies of the saints in a magnanimous way, all together at the same time, on the last day, all around the world, bodies will rise, be united with their 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 soul and spirit essence, which will have already been with the Lord for to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The only thing that goes into the ground of the believer is his body, not his soul. 
To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To die uh, is to gain. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Immediately upon death, we are ushered into the presence of God in our spirit. But our body is awaiting a day whereby God will manifest his glorious power and dominion over this world with the saints being caught up. And, and, and be clear about this. It will happen in a nanosecond. It won't be television cameras watching us slowly floating up in the air like some of your your garbage, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, if you will, uh, famous stories uh, left behind, et cetera, et cetera. All of that is just uh, exaggerated, inflammatory, mythical terminology. It will be just as quick and just as mysterious as the resurrection of Christ and the ascension of Christ and the ascension of of uh, Elijah and the uh, the the ascension of Enoch. What they will know is that there will be an army of believers who will be with the Lord to take over the world and reestablish it in righteousness and in true holiness, as is the promise of Christ to all that are his. And that's something that we want to continue developing and working through because the hope of the believer is the resurrection of our bodies. That means they can kill our bodies, but they can't kill our soul. And even when they kill our bodies, our bodies have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And they too will also be made like unto his glorious spiritual body. Philippians one uh, verse 20 and 21 so that we will be uh, forever with the Lord in the air, coming back to the earth to reestablish this earth, both in judgment and in righteousness, so that it is an eternal state where all true believers are with the one true and living God and his son, Jesus Christ, and the holy angels and the spirit of the living God. This is where trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ gives us all hope in our death. So you don't fear them that can kill the body. You fear him who can kill both body and soul. Inhale. Got to take a break. Got to pay some bills. When I come back, Dreamer and Cliff on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time is 639. I do have room for two more calls. If you want to call in with a Bible question or a comment about our culture and times, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. It is an honor to be with you every Monday exercising our constitutional rights and talking about God and things in life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Wonderful opportunity. Let's go to line number one and talk with Dreama in Alameda. Dreama, are you there? Hi, good evening, Pastor Jesse. I hope you Thanks, hear me sis. okay. My phone I is hear- being kind of weird on me. Great. I, I um, hear you well. Great. Um, I really appreciate it. Also, as the young lady uh, was talking about earlier, uh, your message yesterday, the service, all of yeah. the uh, visitors and the, and the current church family, it was just yeah. a blessing, and just thank yeah. you so much. Um, I'm so glad. I want to ask you about something that I, from time to time, I'm beginning uh, to be more uh, comfortable with my decision, but um, maybe others out there have in, uh, in, encountered this. Uh, getting the vaccine, um, I have, I'm blessed with a lot of acquaintances and friends, business and, and, and just friends in general. Um, and I've just been made feel kind of like I'm uncaring, uh, because, you know, um, I'm not getting the vaccine. I'm, I'm, I'm a wait and see kind of attitude. 
Um, um, I, I recall the anthrax series of shots in the military, and I was blessed at the time when we were getting spun up that I didn't end up having to get them. Our tour got uh, canceled. And wow. I also know many of my, uh, you know, uh, mem- family members uh, that were in the military that had problems in the past uh, years, well before me, with different things, almost like they were guinea pigs. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> and then some of the members that did come back during my current service days, uh, they came back and they've had a, quite a few bot- bit of uh, issues, and there's association with some of the shots. So with all that said, uh, you know, it's just that. When I looked up on the website, which I try to track right now, it's not current, but there's supposedly 555,000 that have passed away in the U.S. Uh, uh, from uh, COVID. Uh, and the website that I go to is, uh, uh, it's uh, Statista, uh, it's S-T-A-T-I-S-T-A dot com. And they yes. track all kinds of data. And wow. uh, and if you look at the, the, the only the current one they've got up there by uh, the deaths in the U.S. as of March 17th, uh, they have it at like 518,000. And right. of right. that 518,000, 418,000, which is 82 percent, are all 65 and older. Yep. Uh, with the larger portions in the 85 and older. And that leaves you, if you add in the uh, 50 to 64 years, it says it's 15%. So you put yep. those two age groups together, uh, uh, 50 or older, that's over 92% of this uh 518,000 that are passed away, but yet only four and a half percent are left, and that's only uh, a little over 22,000. That's all the students, grade and college levels. That's the majority of the of the teachers because it's zero, uh, zero age to 49 years. But yet all of our kids are out of school. Uh, you know, all these businesses, uh, you know, everything that's just being controlled, it's like there's some goals here. I haven't quite identified what the goals are. I guess I could <laughs> throw out ideas. But, I mean, I'm just saying that it's, it's, I feel like some of the, you know, the, uh, the uh, my friends in Christ followers, for instance, that they're just believing in fear and 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 not, uh, you know, uh, really talking about things. They don't want to talk about it. Just get the shot and and obey the rules, and, and don't make me feel uncomfortable, uh, you know, and, and yet, but God holds my life in his hands, you know, I'm not going to be disobedient or uncaring to other people, of course I obey the rules and wear my mask, but yet I do feel uncomfortable, and I don't know if others out there maybe do sometimes, and I don't know quite how to handle it sometimes, So, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to say that, you know, this website has helped me a lot because it keeps me in check. So I'm All right, let's have, let's have a conversation because this is the blessing of this kind of media while we have it. OK, let's have a conversation. I need you to stay there because I want to yeah. use you as a case study. And so you can dialogue with me um, on this. So I've said for months now that the Christian doesn't have the right to just do what he or she wants to do. They don't have the right to just uh, submit their physical body, which the Lord paid for uh, with his death on the cross. Ye are the temple of the living God, and you have been bought with a price. Uh, therefore, glor- glorify the Lord with your bodies, which are his. And we don't have the right, <clears throat> really, dreamer, to put anything in it, and let alone let somebody jab us and stick us with something 
for which we're not fully aware of exactly what we're doing. That's one thing, which is indicative of a lot of our pseudo-Christianity today. We say Jesus is Lord, but we really don't do what he says because what we're supposed to do is, as I stated over and over again, prove all things, try the spirit, understand that we live in a culture that already has a history and precedent of lying to us for decades upon decades, particularly in the field of medicine, in the field of medicine. And if we were to do the research on vaccines, we would find the horror of what kind of vaccinal experimentations have have been, been done in the name of science, going all the way back to polio vaccines. Nobody wants to do that because we have actually been successfully Uh, successfully uh, manipulated into passivity by a culture of social media. And this is by design. This, again, will be what we talk about down the line, where people have been conditioned to enjoy life uh, non-discerningly without a missional objective. And we don't want to be uh, inconvenienced. We don't want to have to think that, well, my, if I have to do the research, I might come up with something that says something different than what I'm perceiving or am believing or wanting to hold to. And as such, I might have to be responsible. So whenever you meet Christians who cannot answer the question, and I've actually got 31 reasons, more than that, 41 reasons why I would not right now take the vaccines, 41 reasons. Anybody can have them if they want to. Uh, They can just get me at at gbchayward, uh, gmail.com. I've got 41 reasons. You've got to have a reason. But I know what's going on. We're hoping, they're hoping that our officials are telling us the truth. We're hoping that our officials are doing us no harm. We're hoping that the vaccines are going to do exactly what they said that they are going to do. But our hope is not based upon a knowledge. It's not based upon history. It's not based upon research. It's just a vain submission without any kind of diligence. The problem is, is that you and I on the ground having a conversation with our loved ones is difficult because once we push in a little bit on them to do the research, now they're upset as if we're being unkind. Now, here's the challenge going forward. The way this thing is going to turn out based upon all of the other factual, evidential uh, infrastructure that's being laid out through this health agenda, this worldwide health agenda, which is more or less total control of human beings through a vaccine agenda that will not end. This vaccine agenda will not end unless there is a major pushback on it, as the CDC and Fauci are already saying, that we may have to have another uh, jab. Uh, And because of the variants, there may be jabs every year. And with older people, there may be two jabs. What is that? That's a whole new control structure that is going to move us into a state of existence that's already happening in China. If people want to know what it looks like to be under the control of a digital passport system, go to China and go to Israel. But they won't do it because people have been put to sleep ideologically 
as has been warned for so many years, and they just don't want to be told to be more diligent. Now, quite frankly, there are a lot of people out there, uh, Prima, that are a dreamer, that are being diligent. We must know this, that only about 20 to 25 percent of Americans have taken the vaccine. Not that many more, only about 20 to 25 percent. A lot of the states are doing it their own way. I love what Florida did. I love what Texas did. They said we're not going to force this thing and we're certainly not going to push it on babies and women uh, that are pregnant, which is just absurd on so many levels. So we're going to see a battle taking place forthcoming. And hopefully that battle will wake more people up to the reality that it's bigger than this vaccine agenda. And we've been warned about this for years, but we've not paid any attention. I want to encourage you to. Uh, just take your foot off the pedal when it comes to talking to loved ones who want to take it. Let them take it. That's their choice. And uh, we'll be we'll be right back after this. Uh, we'll be right back. Let's go quickly to line number two and talk with Cliff in Santa Clara. Cliff in Santa Clara, are you there? Cliff in Santa Clara going once. Cliff in Santa Clara going twice. If we lost Cliff, we'll go to line number three and talk with BJ in Verona Park. BJ, are you there? It's JB, bro. All right, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? Good. What's what's up? Yeah, um, I wanted to uh, respond and say, uh, historically speaking, we know that uh, blind obedience to the state is not only dangerous but deadly. Yeah. Uh, history has shown this over and over and over again. For some reason, Americans got it in their head that we can trust our uh, people, but these people are sinful. And uh, history shows that, uh, you know, uh, it repeats itself. We see that in the Book of Judges. We see that, uh, you know, all throughout even just the last, you know, 20th century. Yeah. There's a lot of blood. Yeah. There's a lot of blood that was spilled by the state. Yeah. And a lot of the reason why that happened is because people, number one, weren't thinking. And uh, number two, were, uh, you know, just, you know, it's our human nature to, um, you know, not do, not be diligent. And, uh, you know, I know, uh, I think it was Thomas Jefferson that said the price for freedom is eternal vigilance. Yep. You're, you're, you're getting so, to the root of the matter now. Yes, sir. So, you know, I mean, I know we only got a couple minutes left, but I want to say uh, for those people who are doing some research and maybe the light is just going on recently in their heads, I want to bring up uh, Stanley Milgram, the Milgram Experiments, M-I-L-G-R-A-M. He proved that a lot of good people, good, honest people, will follow orders from yep. who they think are, who they perceive to be authority. No, 100%. And, that that research that you're talking about, we want to cut it down for time's sake. You're doing yep. the right thing, JB. I wish others would have done it. They actually did an experiment to prove. This is the fear. This is the tragic reality. This is in the psychological world, psychiatric world. 
They did experiments at Lent to prove how easily you can get people to submit to even the most painful and intrusive uh, experimentations in in their lives, uh, almost like Pavlov's dogs, and not have the internal intuitive awareness that the only way that they can be free of that is to rebel against that authority. And I just have to cut it short for time sake. This is why the founding fathers told us not to believe our government, not to trust our government, but to hold them accountable. But what happened between the time of the establishment of the document of the Constitution and now, this is not going to make sense to people unless they do the research. We have abandoned a a representative republic and have bought into a secular democracy that has been usurped by a socialist neo-Marxist global agenda. What people do not understand is our government, by and large, has sold us out to globalism and the framework of that global agenda on an ideological level is Marxist socialism. This is why they are boldly taking over the schools and pushing in this postmodern crap of 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 uh, of critical race theory and transgenderism because they know that people now have no footing in history no footing in truth no footing in discernment to dismantle this garbage now again a lot of teachers a lot of parents a lot of professionals are pushing back but just like Aldous Huxley said just like 1984 put it uh, uh Orwell once you have the media controlling the narrative if the common people are not vigilant and diligent on their own they're going to end up taking the serum and simply complying without resistance and that's kind of the precipice upon which we are on and no one is going to believe what I'm saying. I don't expect them to. I don't expect church folk to. But that also means that they are not reading their Bible because your Bible plainly says, and they shall gather all of the powers, the 10 horns, Revelation 17, 14, together to make war against the lamb and against those that are with him. But the lamb shall overcome them because he is king of kings and Lord of lords. But it's going to be another ugly battle before he overcomes them. So just pray for all people everywhere that the outcome is not as tragic as we perceive. Until next time, God bless you. God keep you. God cause his face to shine upon you. God give you his peace. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.